Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman, here with Lauren Ziegler to talk about masks, both literal and metaphorical, and how we can use them in the rehearsal room or the classroom. Without further ado, I bring you Lauren Ziegler. Hello, Lauren. Hello. So, what is a mask? Well... If you were to do a Google search on what a mask is, there would be pages and pages of definitions and explanations, mainly around two different chains of thought, the literal and the metaphorical mask. I realise this might be kind of deep for 30 seconds into the podcast, but just bear with me for a minute and I'll try and explain. An obvious response would be that people would wear masks to change someone's appearance, to transform from human to animal, happy to sad male to female. Masks are an instant way to alter how a person looks. Anita Sinclair in the Mask Handbook, an amazing book by the way, Nick, uh, just by coincidence is available for purchase through the Drama Victoria website currently, defines mask as being a method of altering or adding to the appearance of a person with the intention of creating a character or presence that would not otherwise exist. This definition in itself is very literal. It's a physical covering similar to a costume used to create a character. The ideas that surround the psychology of the metaphorical mask is that humans all have faces, for want of another word, used to disguise or conceal or hide. Sometimes these types of masks can be hard to take off. Using masks can give the wearer the freedom to share or release the faces within. In theatre, and indeed the classroom, it is often the case that we are able to deal with both the physical and the metaphorical mask in the creation, exploration and presentation of mask use. And that can be very powerful. Why have people used masks? Why are they so important to people? Well, as I've mentioned, it's been long known that mask wearing has been used for much deeper meanings, a more symbolic one that explores the relationships between the mask and its wearer. Robert Davidson, a hater artist from British Columbia, believes that wearing masks often turn the world upside down. The invisible spirit or character or emotion usually within is exposed and the visible everyday person becomes invisible. In this way, the Native Americans believe that they all have a spirit of an animal inside them and similarly to the totem pole, masks were created to show the spirit animal on the outside, sometimes even having a second layer to the mask with the human face underneath and vice versa. Steve Grattan and Nikki Pilgrain, authors of the novel Commedia Oz, maintain that masks are symbolic. They are physical representations of the masks we make with our own faces and use in our communication with others in society every day. We wear masks that we can hide behind and masks that enable us to feel powerful, safe or inspirational, depending on the context. It may also be the case that masks have been used as a more practical, universal and timeless symbol of people, animals or spirits in storytelling. Ones that for example, can be passed through generations with little changes. Where did masks evolve from? Where were they used? You might find it interesting that masks are the most ancient means of changing identity and assuming a new persona. Along with chanting and primitive dances, masks have been used for thousands of years to transform ourselves. 
Initially, they were used largely in spiritual experiences, often wearing the skulls or skins of animals. Throughout time, humans have developed masks to represent or reflect their current, past or future times. They explained the society they were living in. What is it that all masks have in common, other than covering the face, obviously? Well, it's actually interesting to note that there are cultures of mask wearers that even though they existed thousands of years ago and lived continents apart, they had similarities. For example, masks were worn in ceremonies to portray spirits of the dead in countries like Bali, Mexico and North America. I've also been surprised to see groups of archetypal masks created to represent cross-sections of society and then used repetitively in different plot lines or scenarios. The stock characters of the Italian Commedia dell'arte and the Balinese dance of Tepeng, for example. Tracing back from India and Java, the Tepeng dance emerged somewhere around 840 AD. One actor played several characters, disappearing behind a curtain to reappear with a different mask, being a different character many times. Commedia dell'arte, which emerged around the 1600s, used many different masks to display many different characters, although they used more than one actor. The neat thing with these styles of theatre is that the characters were similar. There was a hierarchy of characters, some good, some evil, some old, some young, and some funny designed to lighten the rest of the performance. So even then, humans were using masks for similar purposes. What are some of the most popular forms of theatre using masks? A large majority of ancient cultures have included masks, some more prominent than others, and have been maintained throughout the centuries. There are some really interesting Asian forms of theatre that use masks such as Japanese kabuki and no, Beijing opera masks from China are really beautiful and, and excellent examples for students to explore design elements of the mask, such as symbol, line and colour, while also being able to work with stylized movement and gesture. Studying these forms of theatre styles and their masks is also a great way to approach many of the Victorian curriculum strands at most levels for drama. You could even study a few and do a comparison. Probably the most common masks that are currently used in the classroom world would be the chorus masks. The chorus masks of ancient Greek theatre, right? You are, Nick. The ancient Greeks used masks for lots of different reasons, mainly practical. But what is great for students to explore is the concept of the chorus and working both verbally and physically in unison. Using masks allows that connected feeling of the actors to communicate as one. What about Commedia dell'arte or Commedia dell'arte or Commedia dell'arte or Commedia dell'arte? Yeah, I never know how to pronounce it properly either. I'm just going to go with what Rosa said. Commedia dell'arte. Yeah, I like it. Commedia is great because there are so many different masks for the students to try. The characters can be grotty and often lewd, which the students really love. I know you've had Rosa Campagnaro in to speak lately, and by all means, she is more of an expert when it comes to all things Commedia. But what I do know is that using the stock character masks have never been a disappointment in my classroom. If I was to ask a year eight boy to pretend to be an old man, I would probably get a fairly obvious or bland character who wobbled with a walking stick and spends much of the scene waiting for a bus. Give him a pantalone mask and he's grumpy, achy, 
his physicality is emphasised, and he has a clear motive, regardless of the scenario he is in. What are the benefits to using masks in a rehearsal room or the classroom? Oscar Wilde once said that man is least himself when he talks in his own person. Give him a mask and he will tell you the truth. We know as teachers it is and always has been very important to students as to how they are perceived by others in the classroom. Playing part of a character is one thing, but wearing a mask can allow a student to detach that one step further. It's even possible to create a mask of their true self, something that may not often be seen without compromise. When we study masks in the classroom, we as teachers have the opportunity looking past the external culture that a student can identify with and allowing the unconscious inner world of the child to surface. In addition to this, masks are a great way to cover aspects of many of the strands in the current Victoria curriculum, not just drama, but music and art too, at both primary and secondary levels. They offer co-curricular opportunities and fit super well with lots of transdisciplinary themes within the PYPIB. Lastly, it's a great way to force the actor to get more into their body. With the face covered, the body needs to be relied on more to communicate. Do you suggest teachers make masks or buy masks or order them online or make them in the classroom with the students? How do we go about using masks? Well, it's a huge question in that it depends on the, the purpose and the learning intention of the use of the mask. There are a myriad of kind of masks that you can buy anywhere from the cheap neutral masks that you can buy in a $2 shop to the beautifully handcrafted latex masks, which of course can uh, be very expensive. But it depends on your purpose uh, I guess, your resources and uh, what your learning intentions are. I'm happy to email or chat to anyone who would be interested in some strategies or approaches to mask in the classroom. Thank you, Lauren Ziegler, for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. That is all from us at The Aside. Thank you very much to Lauren Ziegler for giving us her time. You can, of course, contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com where you can ask us a question or give us some feedback and we can respond to you in a future episode. Thank you very much to Eltham College for letting us record here and Aaron Sell for providing the music. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.